हरे कृष्ण हरे कृष्ण 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 हरे हरे राम हरे राम 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 हरे 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 कृष्ण हरे कृष्ण 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 हरे 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 राम हरे राम 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 हरे 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 कृष्ण हरे कृष्ण 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 राम राम हरे हरे दिस इज अ सॉन्ग बाय भक्ति विनोद ठाकुर व्हिच गिव्स अ डिस्क्रिप्शन ऑफ द स्पिरिचुअल वर्ल्ड सो इज बजान्स are the emanation from the hearts of great devotees who are seeing the spiritual world and then when they compose these songs they allow us to enter within the spiritual world through that portal this is called mahat kritena or following the footsteps of those great souls and this is the process for coming to krishna is to follow in the footsteps of the great acharyas so shila bhakti vinod thakur wrote this song out of ecstasy and those who sing it also uh after him will feel that ecstasy but especially because a prophet brought this song to the fore and sang it many times in mayapur 1975 when he was singing this from the vyasasana he went into a kind of trance and we could see that he had um entered the spiritual world through the the song itself so we can um study these songs the meanings of them and enter deeply within them whenever we sing them it's an opportunity that um we can feel that spontaneous love for krishna uh through these special vibrations given to us as a gift jay radha madhava
Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Narayanam Namaskritya Naram Chaiva Narottamam Devim Sarasatim Vyasam Tato Jayam Udiraye We're reading from the Srimad Bhagavatam, 12th canto, chapter number 9. Text today is 6. The name of this chapter is Markandeya Rishi Sees the Illusory Potency of the Lord. And I'll start with the word for word. Ata api. Nonetheless. Ambuja patra. Like the petals of a lotus. Aksha. Of you whose eyes. Punya shloka. Of famous personalities. Shikamani. O Kresjul. Drakshye. I desire to see, see. Mayam, the illusory energy, Yaya, ya, by, by which, Lokaha, Lokaha. the entire world, world. Sapala, along with its ruling demigods, its Veda, Veda, considers, considers. Sat, Sat, of the absolute reality. Bhidam, material differentiation. Atapyam buja patraksha, punya shloka shikamane, drakshe mayam yayaloka, Sapalo Veda Sadpitam Atapyam Buja Patraksha Punya Shloka Shikamane Drakshe Mayam Yayaloka Sapalo Veda Sadpitam Atapyam buja patraksha Vaishnavis Atapyam buja patraksha Punya shloka shikamane 
Translation, O Lotus-Eyed Lord, O crest jewel of renowned personalities, although I am satisfied simply by seeing you, I do wish to see your illusory potency, by whose influence the entire world, together with its ruling demigods, considers reality to be materially variegated. Please repeat, O Lotus-Eyed Lord, O crest jewel of renowned personalities, Although I am satisfied simply by seeing you, I do wish to see your illusory potency, by whose influence the entire world, together with its ruling demigods, considers reality to be materially variegated. Uh, get a 10th canto, 14th chapter, please. Purport. A conditioned soul sees the material worlds to be constituted of independent, separate entities. Actually, all things are united, being potencies of the Supreme Lord. Markandeya Rishi is curious to witness the exact process by which Maya, the Lord's bewildering potency, casts living beings into illusion. Did you catch all that? Would you like me to read it again? A conditioned soul sees the material world to be constituted of independent, separate entities. Actually, all things are united, being potencies of the Supreme Lord. Mark and Rishi is curious to witness the exact process by which Maya, the Lord's bewildering potency, casts living beings into illusion. Do you remember the translation? To some degree? Anything? Go ahead, say. Do we have an extra microphone? Okay. Speak into the mic, because the devotees at home will curse you if they can't hear you. Mention being material, materially variegated. That's what I. Okay. Described uh, Krishna, the lotus-eyed one, the one who's worshipped by uh, all renunciants. Yeah, and who's speaking now? Um, Markande Rishi. Markande Rishi is speaking, and he's he's a, um, a sage that's very dear to the Lord. That's why the Lord appears in his ashrama. And now that the Lord's appeared in his ashrama, he's offering his prayers and expressing his desires to the Lord. And he says, O lotus-eyed Lord, so he's looking right at the personality of Godhead, who has all these features, uh, for instance, lotus eyes, and he has hands, lotus feet. He's in, he has a form, and... Markandeya Rishi is beholding that form. So he says, O Lotus-eyed Lord, O crest jewel of renowned personalities, although I am satisfied simply by seeing you, I do wish to see your illusory potency. So what is it that Markandeya Rishi wants to see? He's seeing Krishna right in front of him, but he's saying, I want to see your illusory potency. And he goes on to say, by whose influence the entire world together with its ruling demigods, considers reality to be materially variegated. So uh, where else does it come to your mind in the Bhagavatam that it mentions that the devas or the demigods, the controlling entities of this world, are uh, illusioned by the Lord's external potency? Yes, Tattvavit Prabhu, please get him the microphone in seven seconds or less. Shouldn't make such a sage get up. The first the verse of the Bhagavatam says that the living, the the demigods are bewildered by the illusory energy. Yes, and the first verse of the Bhagavatam says "kuakam dimahi." So "kuakam" means that the sura "kuakam" means all the these uh, 
demigods are bewildered by the Lord's external energy. Thank you, Tapavit Prabhu. So everybody in the material world is illusioned by the Lord's potencies. First, I offer my respectful obeisances to His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, and to all of you, because you are Vaishnavas, and therefore you're the most worshipable in all the three worlds. Hare Krishna. This um, <clears throat> illusory potency. So, Om Jnana Timirandasya Jnananjana Shalakaya Chakshuna Militam Jena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha so uh, we just uh, mentioned that the outset of the Srimad Bhagavatam, the um, invocation prayer, says that the, even the demigods are bewildered by the illusory uh, potency of the Lord. And um, <clears throat> we find in the 10th canto, 14th chapter, the Srimad Bhagavatam, actually it starts off in the um, 13th chapter of uh, Brahma's, uh, here, just give me the book. You put it right here. This Brahma Mohana Lila, we find that Krishna, as you all know, had been picnicking with his friends. There are pictures here on that side. Krishna in the forest with his friends and the calves that they were tending wandered off as the boys were having their lunch. And the boys became alarmed. They wanted to go after the calves. But Krishna said, being so friendly, uh, I'll go get them. You stay and have your lunch. Please don't disturb your lunch. So he went off to find the calves. And meanwhile, Brahma had been observing Krishna and the calves and his boyfriends. And he was in wonderment about whether or not this was actually the Supreme Personality of Godhead in this form, Brahma is also known as Vidhi. He's very attuned to the rules and regulations. That's how one becomes Brahma. After 100 lifetimes of perfectly following Varnashrama, then one attains the post of Brahma. And he saw Krishna eating with his left hand, the boys exchanging their lunches, putting in their mouth, taking it out. And they were just playing like children. So Brahma wondered, who are they? Is this Krishna? Is this actually my Lord? So he played a trick just to test this manifestation that he was seeing before him by stealing away the boys and the calves. And when Krishna realized what Brahma had done, he re-manifested all the boys. Not just, uh, you know, relatively good facsimiles, but exactly. Uh, the sticks that they were carrying, the clothes, every hair on their head was exactly the same. Only now, these calves and boys were manifestations of Krishna. They were actually expansions of his body. Ananda chinmaya rasa pratibhavi tabis tabiri eva nidharupa tayakalavi the, the Brahma Samhita, Sri Brahma, describes how in the spiritual world all the living entities are completely spiritual, they're expansions of his body. And when the boys and the calves that were expansions of Krishna went back to Gokula and actually to Vrindavan. Then the mothers greeted their sons, fathers greeted their sons with more affection than they had had previously for their children. Unlimitedly more. And we find out later that the calves became attractive to the, the cows and the bulls. Normally the calves are weaned off the the cows at a certain time. They're separated. But as they were grazing on top of the hill, the mothers, the bulls, and the, and the cows and the bulls saw their offspring down below in a valley, and they came galloping down the hill uncharacteristically with such enthusiasm to meet up with, with these calves. And Balaram had been watching all this and wondering what had happened because 
there was something strange going on in Vrindavan. And he thought at first that it was the potency of some rakshasa that was creating these oddities. And Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur explains how one step after another, Krishna removed his illusory potency so that Balaram could see what was going on. And then he came to understand that actually Krishna had expanded himself into the calves and the boys. And Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur explains that even Balaram was subjected to the internal illusory potency of Lord Krishna because Krishna is the original personality of Godhead and everyone else is under his control and subject to his potencies, even Balaram. What to speak of ordinary living entities in the material world Krishna describes Narupama Seha Tatopalabyate Nanto Nachadir Natasam Pratishta Ashvataminam Suvaruda Mulam Asanga Shastrina Dradina Chitva that everyone's in a banyan tree, this material world, and they don't know what the form of the tree is, they can't see it. They also don't know where it begins or where it ends. They don't know where they've come from or where they're going. And this is all due to the illusory potency of the Lord. So the illusory potency of the Lord is formidable for everybody. And the only way that one can overcome it, Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, If one surrenders to Krishna, then naturally uh, Krishna will accept such a person and he'll remove his illusory potency. There are two aspects to the illusory potency that Prabhupada uh, speaks about throughout his purports. One is called the throwing potency and the other is called the covering potency. So when one develops an adverse attitude to Krishna, the illusory potency separates him from Krishna's association. And then the covering potency makes the living entity think that he's happy, separated, and that he becomes absorbed in an illusory condition of life, thinking I'm the material body and I have my independent existence. And this is what's being mentioned here, that the living entities who are in illusion think that they are separated from the Lord. And this is mentioned in the 11th canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam as the root cause of our Predicament here in this world. Bhayam dvitiya abhinibeshatasyad ishada petasya viparyuryosmitihi. That means that when we see ourselves as separate from Krishna and that we have a separate existence, separate interests, and so forth, then bhayam, which means fear, syat, arises. Fear arises. And this is due, Ishat Apetasya, because I've turned away from the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And I have Viparya Yosmiti. My attitude is opposite of my real nature. My nature is to be subordinate to Krishna, but I've taken the position of, as a competitor for Krishna. And therefore, I'm in a disadvantageous situation. Therefore, the solution is that one should turn one's attention back to Krishna. And by doing that, it will be properly aligned and come out of the illusory potency of the Lord. So, Markandeya Rishi is um, sitting in his ashram, and the Lord appears, and now he's interested in asking for this benediction to see his illusory potency. Once I was in Vrindavan and I was, someone told me this is a desire tree over here. So I stood under that desire tree and I said, Krishna, please show me things as they are. And the next day I got so sick, I thought I was going to die. My godbrother took me to Lowy Bazaar and I sat down in the little doctor's office and he pulled a thermometer out of his drawer, put it in my mouth. 
and took it back out, and then he threw it back in the drawer, and I thought, he never washes that. (laughs) That's when I started getting better. (laughs) I thought those germs probably killed the other one. I know that's unscientific. But (laughs) I was so sick, I won't go into the details, but for three days I was at death's door, and then I met my godbrother, senior god brother and he said what happened to you and i said i was under that desire tree and i prayed show me things as they already go you don't pray for that never ask krishna for that he said you pray for prema bhakti <laughs> so we'll find that <laughs> that the rishi prays to see the energy and it becomes onerous he's swept away by the waves of devastation and he stays out there for millions and millions of years of course, while he's in the ocean of devastation, he has an opportunity to see Krishna directly. It's one of the charming pastimes. You can imagine being stranded in the ocean of de- devastation, or perhaps it's hard to imagine. And then he sees a baby floating on a banyan leaf. And as he gets closer, he becomes fascinated by this baby because he's beautiful and attractive and he sees that his baby is sucking his own toe it's Krishna sucking his own toe because Krishna's lotus feet are so sweet even he wants to taste what they're like but as he's looking at the baby in enthrallment then he's the Lord inhales him and he comes out of the water of devastation and he ends up back in his ashram peaceful no water of devastation. Everything back the way it was. And Krishna in that way fulfilled his desire to show him his illusory potency. And this is uh, Krishna's prerogative. Nityo nityanam chetanas chetananam ekobahunam kaman. He's fulfilling the desire of every living entity. And one may think that Somebody's getting some disadvantageous situation in this material world because of the inequity of the Lord. But actually, the Bhagavatam explains that Krishna is equal to everyone, and he extends himself fully to every living entity. It's only due to our lack of what is called appreciating capacity, or the mistaken desires or misaligned desires that we, in, during which we ask the Lord for things that are not good for us. But he fulfills our desires nonetheless. There is a verse in the Bhagavad Gita, uh, 9.29, Samaham sabhabhuteshu nami dvesho stina priya yebhajanti tumam bhaktiya maite teshu chapyaham In this verse, Krishna explains that I'm equal to everyone. Samoham Savabhuteshu, it means to all living entities, I'm, I'm equal. He's offering full facility to every living entity. Nami Duesho Stinapriya, and he doesn't envy anybody. He's not averse to any living entity at all. He's friendly to everybody. And then he says uh, that if one worships me and uh, beca- develops his or her appreciating capacity for me, then that person has a special relationship with me, enters into a very special relationship. And for that person, I extend myself in unlimited ways. One of the names of Krishna is Vanchatita. It means one who fulfills one's desires beyond what one can expect. Atita means beyond, and Vancha means desire. So Vanchatita means he fulfills your desires more than you can expect. So the first half of the verse is about Paramatma. This is Samoham Sarvabhuteshu Nami Dveshustina Priya. The Paramatma in the material world is equal to everybody and fulfills their desires according to how they approach him. You know this verse, what does it mean? Besides Madhavi. Accordingly, yes, once surrenders unto me, I reward him accordingly. It means 
whatever you ask for, I'll equally extend myself to you, or however you surrender to me, that, that's how I'll reciprocate with you, correct? Yes, so this is uh, Paramatma in the material world. He's fulfilling everyone's desire according to their desire. But ye bhajanti tumam bhaktya, but when one becomes a devotee and approaches Krishna, Bhagavan, ye bhajanti tumam bhaktya, mai te teshu chapiham, then Krishna extends himself beyond what we can expect. Not tit for tat, not according to our desire, but beyond that. This is the mercy of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And we find in the Srimad Bhagavatam, the pastime of Putana, who is a demoness, and she assumes a a form of a a beautiful young woman, and she comes into the Vraj just after Krishna is born. And everybody lets her in because she looks so nice. And then she comes to poison Krishna. And she actually tries to do it. She had put poison on her breast nipple. She tried to nurse him. She did nurse him. He sucked out the poison, then the milk, then her life air. She assumed her original form. So you'll find in the third canto when Sri Uddhava is remembering the pastimes of Krishna, he says, Ahobakiyam stanakalakutam jigamsaya payad apyasadvi. said that how wonderful this is, how wonderful Krishna is, that even though this demoness came to kill him, he uh, accepted her as mother and gave her a very, very special position in the spiritual world. And later on in this 14th chapter of the 5th, uh, 10th canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam, Brahma, when he's praying to Krishna after the Brahma Vimohana Lila, he says, Krishna, we know how much mercy you gave to Putana. Do you have any left? I mean, you must have given, given all your mercy. Do you have anything left for the residents of Vrindavan? Because you gave so much mercy to Putana. And that's uh, a point that he's making is that uh, Krishna, Bhagavan, is so merciful, it's unlimited. And therefore, Uddhava says, who would surrender to anyone else besides Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, knowing this, how merciful he is? So here's a practical point, and then we'll take reflections and questions. And that is that it is the purpose of human life, ultimately, to develop one's appreciating capacity for the Supreme Personality of Godhead. He gives us free will, and when we accept a human life, We have the opportunity to amend the errant desires that we have within our heart and to develop an appreciating capacity for the Lord. And as we do, we'll realize that his mercy is fully available to us at at, at every moment. So uh, one cannot claim to be victimized by the Supreme Personality of God. I mean, people do, but this is incorrect, actually. He's fully manifest at all times, and he's fully available to us at all times. But it's my duty and interest to adjust my life in such a way that I can appreciate his, his presence and his mercy and to see that he's always available. And therefore, we have this practice of bhakti yoga all of the practices that we do here in ISKCON are actually given to us through the Srimad Bhagavatam and by the six Goswamis of Vrindavan. And they're meant to stimulate that original appreciation we have for the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And as that appreciating capacity awakens and expands, then we can realize Krishna to that degree and accept his mercy. And now we'll take some reflections or questions about the verse or anything I've said in the monologue. Yes. Thank you, Maharaj. So I really like the point that how, even though Markandya Rishi was seeing Krishna, Narayan Rishi face to face, still he had that desire for seeing the illusory potency. And I like the point which you made that 
even when we have those desires, Krishna goes over and beyond to to satisfy that. So that was that was really nice. Thank so you. So we'll find this throughout the Bhagavatam that even though Krishna may appear directly before someone, it doesn't mean that they'll have a an absolutely pure intention or ask him for the right thing. Of course, we know the story of Kardamamuni. We find in the uh, third canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam, he meditated for 10,000 years, perfected his yoga practice, so much so that the Lord appeared before him also and was so appreciative of his sacrifices that a tear came from the eye of the Lord that became the Prema Sarovara, a kund there that emanated from the tear of the Lord. And when Kardama was offering his prayers to Lord Narayan, who was personally present there, he glorified him and then he said, and by the way, I need a wife. I have this desire for a wife. Of course, Lord Narayan said, I know. I know that. Why wouldn't I know that? And then he said, I've, I've made an arrangement. Interesting about the case of Kardamamuni is he put it before the Lord. He said, that you, you know my desire, and I have that desire, but uh, you please fulfill it in the way that you think is correct. Pritumar says a similar thing. He said, I'm praying to you, but I don't know what to ask for. I could really blow it if I asked for the wrong thing. So I... <laughs> I put it to you. Just as a, a son doesn't know what to do, depends on the father. So I'm the same way. I'm saying, you do whatever you like. And Prabhupada mentions in the purport to Kardama Muni's inquiry about a wife, that if, if whatever desires you have in this world, you put them before the Lord and you say, you manage it. Don't try to micromanage it yourself. Because the Lord can do a much better job. He knows your existential uh, situation. He knows what's ultimately good for you. So Bhagavatam says, Akama sarva kama va moksha kama udharati tivrena bhakti yogena yajeta purusham param. Whatever condition of, of life you're, you're in, meaning whatever desires you have because of conditioning, approach the Lord and leave it to Him. So please help me in this way. But let him manage the situation because he knows what to do. And of course, Kardamamuni had uh, received the best of wives, Devahuti, from Swayambhuvamanu. Swayambhuvamanu and his wife, who then came three days later, and that was the Lord's arrangement. Yes? So, so just following up, one more point. So you've also made this point earlier where sometimes Krishna gives fulfills the desire, but does it in such a way that he brings the devotee back. Correct. That's in the fifth canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam, Satyam Dirshiti Artido Artito Rinyam, that if the devotee, Krishna says, comes to me and he surrenders, but then he's asking for material benedictions again and again. Then, Swayam Virate Bajatam Anichitam he says, I give him his material benediction. I'll fulfill his desire, but I do it in such a way that he won't ask for it anymore. And that's paraphrased in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, where Krishna is speaking, and he says, this person is asking me for material facilities, even though he's in devotional service. <clears throat> so Krishna said, this is like a person is being offered nectar, but he wants poison instead. So then Krishna says, this person may be a fool, but I'm not. Therefore, why should I fulfill his desire the way he wants? So Krishna fulfills the desire uh, the way he sees will actually benefit the person who's asking for material desire. He says, that I cover that material desire and make him want me instead. So that's Krishna's arrangement. But if one can... Uh, be skillful in offering prayers to the Lord and ask Krishna for uh, pure devotional service. You can avoid all these things. Yes, Tatvavit Prabhu. Could you please 
refer to the verse that you wanted to quote from the 10th canto 40th chapter because the book just maybe you did but I just wondered what verse I know it's sitting here and I see the book but then I thought there'll be a gap in between the uh, time I find the verse of course if I keep talking it won't seem like a gap but here Brahma offers his prayers and then and Shukadeva Goswami sums up uh, how he offered his prayers and describes how Krishna is Atmanam Akilatmanam. He's the soul of all souls. And he describes how everyone is working very hard for the illusory energy. And this is in this occurs at ten fourteen fifty three. If a person comes to the stage this all past that says, Therefore it is his own self that is most dear to every embodied being. It is for the satisfaction of this self that the whole material creation of moving and non moving beings exists. This uh, uh, in this section, Shukadeva Goswami was pointing out Atmanam Akilatmanam, the living entities. They're self-interested. They ask for material things because they think, actually, this is myself. My body is myself. But uh, he says, observe how self-interested uh, you are. That you'll do anything to maintain your body in a healthy condition, because you think you're your body. He said, now understand that uh, understanding how attracted you are to yourself. Think how attracted you'll be to the self of yourself. Krishna is actually the soul of your soul. So if you turn your attention to Krishna, and your desire becomes one with Krishna's desire. In other words, you want to satisfy Krishna. Think how attracted you'll be and how satisfied you'll be. This is the logical point he's making in this section. So one can actually understand that this is a a very logical philosophy that one's misplaced desires in this material body are because I've projected myself into the body and I think this is myself. In fact, we do it everywhere we go. Everywhere I look in my environment, I make a distinction between things and my things. Isn't there a big difference? If you parked your car outside here and you hear a smashing noise and you think it's your car, your heart will palpitate and perspiration will come to your brow and you'll run to the door and if you look outside and you find out it wasn't your car, it was Naimasharnir's car, then immediately you're relieved but a car is a car. It's made of glass and metal and so forth. But uh, I've invested myself into that particular car. There are cars all over Dallas right now that are being smashed, sideswiped, scraped, doors opening and banging into the side. And we don't care because they're not ours. We haven't invested our consciousness into them. So in the Gita, Krishna says, Jayato Vishayam Pumsam Sangas Teshu Bajayate. When you look out at the world, including this material body, and you contemplate it, contemplation is, means that you look at it and you think there's something in this for me, or this is mine. Then he says it becomes an unga, becomes a part of you. Now it's a problem for you. So as long as I'm investing myself into the world and into this body, it becomes a problem for me. But if you turn your attention to Krishna and say, Atmanam, Akilatmanam, he is the soul of my soul, this, then it's properly placed. And you can express your desire unlimitedly because Krishna is Bhoktaram Yagatapasam. He can accept it. Uh, he can accept unlimited uh, giving. And he can give unlimitedly also. It's the only place where we can give and take unlimitedly and be satisfied. But we can't do it when we misplace ourselves as the body. Another point? Prabhu, yes. Thanks, tough of it, Prabhu. Good to see you.
Well, my question... Oh, no, no, you got to use that. Because there's people online that will become extremely angry. There could be a revolt. No, it has a shut-off on it, that a time shut-off. Yeah. Um, Krishna asks us to surrender to him. And as we surrender, he rewards even more than we desire. So then, isn't it a bit... Well, that's not what I said. I said that means he, he rewards us proportionately. Yes. But then... The second half of the other verse, Maite Teju Chapyaham, refers to Bhagavan. And it, in those dealings, it's more than we can expect. Sure. Um, sorry for combining them. I was just... Sorry. The, the, the flow of the point. Um, therefore, we should simply surrender to Krishna rather than worry about what we're going to get by surrendering to Krishna. And the example, I would think, was in the second canto of the Bhagavatam, Prabhupada references... Narda Muni's act of bhakti as he became very lucky because even though he got darshan of Krishna he couldn't redo that he couldn't force Krishna to appear again and therefore Krishna came as a voice and said you just render your bhakti through this lifetime and then you'll eternally be my servant and Prabhupada references that in the second canto as he was one of the lucky Vaishnavas that he became a unique bhakta in all the bhaktas of Krishna. But he references being lucky in the sense that he couldn't just get Krishna by doing the empirical process of yoga, which he tried. He had to surrender to exactly what Krishna wanted, and then Krishna was always with him in that sense. So is it should, should we approach Krishna for what we want? In, in other words, if if we want something separate from Krishna, I mean, Krishna can give it to us, sure. Well, you really don't have a lot of choice. I mean, we have our our nature, and one has to deal with that nature in approaching Krishna. That's why Krishna gives various ways in which we can approach him. Actually, I'll mend that. We do have a choice. But it's natural that... People approach Krishna according to the position they're in now. In the Gita, Yatkoroshiyarashnashiyatjohosidadasiyatapasyasikonteyatkurushvamarapana uh, means whatever you have doing now, you offer that to me as a starting place. And he mentions in the twelfth camp, in the twelfth chapter of the Gita, there are various gradations of the ways in which uh, devotees can approach him. He says just fully enter into my service, think of me all the time. If you can't do that, follow the rules and regulations of bhakti so that you'll develop that. If you can't do that, then work. And at the same time, give away the fruit of your work to help uh, support Krishna consciousness. If you can't do that, then just be charitable. If you can't do that, there's meditation, there's working without fruit of results and so forth. So he's mentioning there's various ways that one can approach. And Krishna himself talks about the interim period for devotees in the 11th canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam when he says, Jata Shraddha Matkatasu Nirvina Sarvakarmasu Veda Dukkha Akankamams Pratyagi Pyanishvara Tato Bajetamam Brita Shraddha Lodrita Nishchaya Jushamanams Tatankamams Dukodarkams Tagaryan this describes how a devotee, although he's fully aware that the material world is um, not his place, and that he's actually disgusted with sense activities, sense, sense gratification, but it he doesn't have the power to give it up yet. So he, he's going on uh, with repeatedly trying to fulfill the material desires, even as he's practicing devotional service. So what's Krishna's response to that? He says, He says, faithfully go on with the process of devotional service despite the fact that you're not able to do it yet. And know that you're very dear to me because you're practicing devotional service. And he said, You can be a little bit repentant, but don't become morose and give up the process. Continue. So there's a lot of acceptance of the idea that uh, one begins 
the, the process uh, from whatever position one's in and makes advancement uh, by uh, Krishna's mercy. It, it, for some people, it's unreasonable to expect that they'll be able to suddenly um, surrender everything. It's a very rare case of somebody who's, who's able to do that. Although Prabhupada does mention that it's the prerogative of the living entity at any time one can decide that I'll surrender to Krishna unconditionally. But we see the facility is there so someone can gradually do that. Did that address your yes, question? You. Okay. It's a big question. We all have to approach Krishna. That's it's a big question. We all have to approach Krishna, he's saying, without the microphone. And um, we can contemplate that. So we heard about Markandeya Rishi, and that's very auspicious because he's so dear to Krishna. And now we can imagine that people are sitting in their homes right now, and they have their own meditation and prayer going on. They're, they're asking, when are the Hare Krishna devotees going to come and knock on my door? And they're thinking, actually, today I'm going to go out shopping, but my life is a life of quiet desperation. I hope and pray that somehow or other I can meet a Hare Krishna on the street it will offer me transcendental literature and some solace in life. This is what they're praying right now all over the, the Dallas-Fort Worth area. The prayer is going on. We can hear it, right? So we have to, as Krishna's agents today, go out and fulfill the desires of the, of the living entities on behalf of Krishna to deliver to them Transcendental literature, solace in the way of friendship and Krishna consciousness, and hopefully Krishna prasadam. Do we have to distribute? We have everything, right? This is a full service operation, nothing missing. Okay. Srila Prabhupada ki jai. Gaur Bhaktivinoda ki jai. Gaur Premanande. Nitai Gora Hari Bo. Hari Bo. Hari Bo. Nitai Gora Hari Bo. Nitai Gora. Shri Prabhupada Ki Jai Gaur Bhakta Vrinda Ki Jai